Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Is This a Thing? Guys, it's the Christmas show. It is? I know. Are you excited? It's fucking Christmas Christmas morning. (laughs) We've come to the end of another holiday season with the gang here, man. Yeah. It's crazy. You believe it? It's crazy, isn't it? We've come so far, guys. We've come so far in this year, haven't we? Yeah, I'm I'm very excited. I did not get to celebrate Christmas with my family last year, mm-hmm. as I'm sure many people did not. Yeah. So I am I'm excited to see them again. All of mine died of COVID. <laughs> all of them. All of Every them. single wow. one. Wow. He's just living at that house all by himself now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I definitely nothing has changed for me from last year to this. I was thinking about this and guys, I don't know. 2021 sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow worse than 2020 though, huh? Right? How did that happen? <laughs> because like in 2020, I, I know everybody's like complaining about all that shit, the lockdowns and stuff, but dude, like nobody was on the road. Oh. Didn't have to go to work. The best. Right? It, I found if you knew how to take advantage of it, it was more freeing, ironically. Bingo. Yeah. So, Bingo. Yeah, I don't know. I did a lot in 2020. <laughs> yes, I know like historically, I, I'm going to refer to it as like the worst year we lived through. But for me personally, like it was fine. <laughs> I mean, collectively, it was an awful year, but like, you know, wasn't that bad. (laughs) Remember the first year of lockdown where it's like, hey, friends, do you want to go meet at the park and like play Frisbee? Yeah. Remember that? It was just like we just went to the park and just, you know, like we we were active and like connected to one another. And like, you know, we were in good shape. We I I actually kind of I actually kind of compared that time a little bit to like the Pokemon Go thing. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Remember when everybody was outside walking around for the first time? You see all these young people like going for walks and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That was amazing. And it was something that began as what seemed like unquestionable evil. You know, which is just like this corporate app. People are sucked into their phones and are just obsessed with like, you know, what green creatures they've caught last. But you're right. That like was a fitness revolution for millennials (laughs) and Gen Zers. I don't think they intended for that. I think, you know, the creators of that thing, you know, were, were, you know, in agreement that it was a work of evil. But then they're looking around like. Oh, maybe it's a good. I don't like that it's a good thing now. What's happening? Michelle here? Obama never did this. Shit. I was about what? to say, like, I was literally about to say, all the former first ladies, yeah. they should have just, they should have just put Pokemon next to like all the vegetables and like Digimon next to cake, and all the kids would have been all over their broccoli. Speaking That's all it takes. What's what's the first lady, the current first lady, doing now? I just had curiosity. She's Dr. teaching Jill? adjunct uh, professor <laughs> classes. I don't know. I, she's well, a I professor. Don't know what she's doing. What's her name? I don't even Dr. know. Dr. Jill Biden. Jill Biden. Jill Biden. Jill. Yeah. Jill. Okay. Jill. Okay. We have a first lady named Jill. That ain't good. <laughs> we had a first. We had a president named Donald. And now we have a, a first lady named Jill. Mm. <laughs> Who thought you'd see the day? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, 2021 sucks, but we made it through. We're at the end of it, tail end of it. One more show between now and the end of the year. That's the Wataddies. Mm-hmm. I'll just let you know, I, I, I just spoke to the nominating committee. They've been hard at work. Um, I hope they're not stressing themselves out too much. I, I ask, they're very stressed. I ask you to, 
I ask you this every year, Nico, but how much of the gambling money has gone towards the nominating committee? I'm sure they'd really appreciate it. How much of the gambling money? Well, what do that's you all, say? Well, that's all the money we're making. <laughs> yeah, all of the money oh. that this podcast makes <laughs> this is, is the money that gambling. you gamble. So... <laughs> I've been I've been talking to the nominating committee too, and they would really appreciate some of that <laughs> that sweet gambling money. <laughs> the nominating committee will not be getting the Christmas bonuses this year. Oh no! I will tell you after Tom Brady failed to cover eleven and a half last night. Oh man! The nominating committee. <laughs> Sorry, guys, it's another year without Christmas bonuses. Brady just fumbled your. Your Christmas bonus, guys. Literally. And how- literally fumbled it to the Saints 20-yard line. Literally fumbled it exactly oh that far, Nick. Yes. That is correct. Well, that's a real shame for those, uh, for those guys. Yep. They're going to be working. Anyway. Going to be working like 80 hours overtime, by the way. <laughs> I, should tell, I should tell you guys. Uh, I, I know you guys probably don't care too much about this, but my, my Christmas cards are still not here. Yeah, they're what the lo- hell? Ah. They're lo- they're lost in the mail. Oh, not again. We, we we have not received our Christmas cards to send out yet. Oh no. We get them shipped to us first and then we send them out. They're still not here. We have no idea where they are. So, people are not going to get Christmas cards from us until like February, we're pretty sure. I got Zach's Christmas card. Oh, I didn't get That's that. in the mail with his fucking dog on it and everything. I didn't get that yet. I didn't get it yet Yeah. Either. Yeah. What the hell? Adam, I didn't get one from you. I don't send out Christmas cards. Suspiciously. Well, Abby and I were thinking about doing it this year, and she, she please don't. Well, she was she was enthusiastic, and I'm just like, no, no, don't need to do Good that. Call. Good uh, call. Yeah, do I, you, I was being considerate this time. You both still live at home, though, right? Yeah, we do. <laughs> Neither of you. You don't live together. <laughs> Neither of you has their own place. No. You're not required to send Christmas cards. No, I, well, that was my thought. It's like, well, we're not like living together yet, so like, I, do we have to? And she's like, well, yeah, that's if, a good point. I never thought of if, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you get if you get like an apartment or yeah. a house together or something, then then you're required. Oh, what I a, think by law. What a weird what a weird requirement for buying a house because th- then it means you have to start sending out Christmas cards. Yeah. What yeah, a does. strange social convention. Oh yeah, it I does. never considered. I have to start sending out Christmas cards. Yes, it does. Yes, and if you have pets, they have to be featured on the card. It's a rule. These are all rules. They're they're in the uh, like you know those housing associations. A you lot of them sign have on that the, somewhere on the yeah, dotted line. It's real. What's that little tiny print? Oh God, are you sure we want to get this house? It requires Christmas cards. <laughs> I have a friend that's been seeing a girl for. Six months. Oh no. Five, maybe. I know where this is going. Christmas card with her two dogs. Him, mm-hmm. her, the two dogs. What the hell? No. What the? I, t- I actually told my friend, you need to burn every copy of this. <laughs> so, I cannot you know, believe you delivered this to my home. It's you interesting. Need to but burn this. As we get, guys, as we get to this age, you're going to start seeing people, they meet each other and. Three months later, they're married. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not <laughs> it's joking. It's happening. It's happening. Christ. I swear to God. You, they meet someone, and 45 <laughs> days later, they have three kids. Everybody's hitting the panic button. What is going yeah. on? I, I, I feel like, I don't know. It's It's been a while since we've had uh, stuff like this. I, I, I When I was growing up, guys, when I was young mm-hmm. and growing up, sure. you know. The, the the older folk, they weren't getting married so young or so quickly. It was different. <laughs> right. I know. I don't know. This is, I feel, I feel what's like going this, on with our generation? I, feel like it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm already an old guy, but, it, <laughs> but it, it just feels like in our generation thing. I don't know. I don't know. 
Yeah, definitely. It just Everybody doesn't. used to wait until their 40s to get married. <laughs> well, not yeah, I feel like, okay, I, <laughs> maybe I'm, to, I'm, I'm a total idiot about this, but I don't you're, know. I just think you might be. I think you're you definitely might be. wrong, and the stats don't back it up, 100%. <laughs> but I do see where you're going with this, because I do think that this generation is significantly less fun than previous generations. Mm. Mm. I think our generation into our late 20s are having a, a way less fun time. And I don't know if, if that correlates again with marriage numbers or whatever, but it feels like our generation has so much pressure to grow up. You know what I'm saying? Whereas previous generations were like, eh, I don't know, I'm in my 20s, whatever. I haven't, I haven't died of the Black Death yet. <laughs> <laughs> but those people were. I think, gr- I, think it, I think it all ebbs and flows, guys. Sure, I think yeah. it's. I think it's a pendulum going back and forth and we're just on the shit end right now. I agree. Yeah. You know, or maybe it's just like that time in our lives and it's like, everybody's that could be that too. Yeah, Christmas it. that could be, yeah. It. yeah. I don't know. I've seen a lot yeah, of divorces, <laughs> seen a lot yeah. of divorces happening. So that's true. I don't know. If, if you don't live together, don't send out a Christmas card. Okay. I shall not. All right. I think that's the rule. I think that's like, I mean, you can if you want to, but but if you do live together, you're required to. I mean, we've been dating for four, I think four I, years, so there is that. But I think you can wait till you have kids. I think, think you, you can, can wait, wait till you have kids. I think you can wait till you have kids. Okay, because I think get, that might be a kid activity. Because Abby and I get yelled at a lot by friends and family because yeah. We, well, you have crazy friends though. Well, I know these friends that are yelling at you and they're insane. We don't we so don't, don't take anything they say for anything. That's the problem though. Like we will go a couple years without sending Christmas cards because we don't post anything, we don't do anything on social media, we're yeah. not picture people, you know. Yes. So Yes. You know, I like that about us. That's a that's yeah, I, great. Yes. You know? I like it about you too. Your friends are nuts. <laughs> don't listen to them. I know all of them. They have serious problems. They have mental illness. Like I've had like wow. I've, this happens frequently. Even still, they'll be like, "Why don't you post stuff?" It's like, "Why do you care? Who gives a fuck?" Yeah, mind your own fucking business before I block you on my shit. Stop checking for my Christmas photo. It's just ridiculous. I don't know. I don't. It's like I feel. At, what do you? T- I feel absolutely no responsibility towards you to do this. So fuck yourself. Wow. I don't say it like yeah, that. Yeah, grandma. <laughs> fuck you, grandma. Fuck you, grandma. <laughs> Why are you asking about my Christmas cards? What you want to meet my girlfriend? Shut up. <laughs> you old bag. No, it's not. It's I. I'm being facetious, but like, <laughs> but I just find it so annoying. It's like, do you enjoy that with your hubby, with you, with your your squeeze? I don't know. I don't get it. I just don't get it. It's a drag. It's a drag. It's yeah. a drag. It's like I like quit to being st- drags. You're all drags, each and every one of you. It's like the amount of the amount of pictures you could take at like the the Grand Canyon. Like just look at the the thing. Just look at the enjoy thing. the Grand yes, Canyon. Please, God, look at it. It's so big, guys. <laughs> it's a big hole. What a hole. <laughs> oh, how do I not have that prepared? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> What a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to put that up on a speaker right as you arrive at the Grand Canyon. Everybody. <laughs> wow. What a hole. Oh, so good. Somebody Dude. should install a button up there. That's a yeah. great idea. <laughs> you get to press it and just it's the wow, what a hole button. Wow. <laughs> what a hole. 
And then, but they have to have it in every language. So, like in Spanish, <laughs> you know, in Portuguese and German. That's a good idea. You care to recite that line in any other language, Nick? <laughs> I don't think I can. No. El Holo. El- <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> stop sending out Christmas cards. Love is an illusion. Merry <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> it's fucking Christmas morning. Yeah. Love, Beautiful. Love's an illusion. Just ask Stanley Kubrick. He'll tell Just you all about it. Just ask Stanley. What a segue. <laughs> Pow. Bam. Woo. Okay. It's the Christmas show. This was a last minute selection. Um... Just a thought I had yesterday, like, I hadn't seen Eyes Wide Shut in a while. Um, I, I recall not liking the movie the first time I saw it, but I was young and stupid, and it's it's possible that now with more mature eyes that, like, send out Christmas cards and shit, I, I can uh, appreciate what the movie's going for some more. And, and I also do think that it epitomizes the unconventional horror movie, or the mm. unconventional Christmas movie, I'm sorry. Well, you're, um, it's funny you were going to say both, that about I think. the horror movie <laughs> aspect, too, because there are certain instances in the movie where it feels like that's the direction it's going. Right. Uh, yeah, so it was the first time I had seen it in a number of years. I saw it junior year of college, uh, stoned out of my mind. Yeah. Uh, so it was a grand old time. And I, I checked it out one more time, and I was like, okay, I'm good. Uh, you know, mm. I, di- I didn't need much of it. And then, you know, a few few more years go by and then we have this idea for the pot. I'm like, yeah, I should watch it again. I should. Mm. And yeah. Uh, yeah. My my feelings have changed a little bit. My feelings have changed significantly. Actually, <laughs> this was like a real eye opening watch and I'm happy that I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I was. Yeah, I was probably like a sophomore in college, something like that. Junior in college. Same sort of thing. And, uh, you know. I think I was allergic to this kind of movie, which I saw as like very pretentious and plodding and slow. Uh, I found the delivery just to be like grating. Um, And I think like I couldn't sort of get past that initial layer um, of Kubrickness, you know, Mm. and I'm a big Kubrick fan. Certainly, I, I think if you put a gun to my head, I would say he's the best director of all time. If I had to pick one, I mean, he's, you know, in the three or four or whatever, but that might be the easiest answer. Um, but this was always the one where it's like, uh, what Kubrick's going for here? The Kubrick of it all is kind of turning me off. Whereas, you know, I felt the same way about 2001, uh, certainly felt the same way about Barry Lyndon when I saw it for the first time. Right. Uh, some of these things you just need to give a second glance, like, and you certainly have to give it a second glance a couple years after mm. the fact. Because uh, I kind of think this movie's remarkable. Like, I think it's really, really, really fucking good. Um, Nick, this is your first time watching it, right? Yes. 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 Okay. Uh, I've heard about, I've, I mean, I've heard this movie for a long time. I've heard of it. Heard it mentioned here and there, but I had no clue what it was about. Kind of went into it blind. Oh, you didn't know anything about the Nothing. Orgies. Nothing. Wow. Not a thing. Hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. Literally just Google, eyes wide shut, watch. Final link, watch. Uh oh. Wow. Okay. Just popped it in. What'd you think? Uh wow. Yeah. Um It's definitely like so it made me uncomfortable in the same way as like films like Mother or um uh the what's the one with uh Adam Sandler? That we've discussed Uncut many times. Uncut oh. Gems. Okay. It made me uncomfortable in that same way where the whole time I'm watching this and I'm like, I don't want to watch this. <laughs> I don't want to be experiencing this. 
you shouldn't be watching this. Is more uh, what it but, is, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I I liked it better than those films. Yeah. Well, and I think that comes from the the as you called it the Kubrick of it all. Mm. I mean, just such a fine touch making movies. <laughs> really, really. Uh, I've never people. seen so much nudity. I don't think ever in my yeah, life. I don't think I've movies. ever seen so much nudity That's in a film. Yeah. I was I, actually funny you say that. I on rewatch, I was like, oh yeah, there is a lot of nudity. I don't think there's a single character <laughs> yeah. in this movie who you don't see naked. I'm actually being serious. I cannot think of one. I mean, you see, actually, I, ironically, the prostitute, the prostitute <laughs> yeah. is the only one. I was about to say the prostitute is the only prostitute. one you don't see naked. Yeah. Alan Cumming, I guess, isn't naked. That's as, true. As the uh, as the guy at the hotel, there are put it this way, there are very very <laughs> okay. I guess there are very few women in this movie that you don't see naked. That's that's. The I, I was gonna say like characters with names, yeah. not yeah, not yeah, yeah. like bellhop. Yeah, exactly. sure. Well, it opens up with uh, a a shot of Nicole Kidman just butt ass naked, like just yeah. And the naked. final word of the movie is "fuck," so sure. I, I think and and she means it, yeah, like yeah. that. So that that <laughs> first frame is just like the mission statement of the film, which is just like you know this woman is is a sexual creature, and this movie is about her sexual exploits or imagined sexual exploits, and how Tom Cruise ultimately comes to view her by the end of it. Um, but I did think, I, and obviously, yes, there's a lot of sex in it. There's a lot of nudity in it. Uh, believe it or not, there was actually cuts made to the film in post, and there were certain digital images superimposed onto the screen to avoid the X rating, to actually take some of the nudity out of it. Um, and a lot of people have complained about that. Uh, I, Roger Ebert famously, in his review of the movie, described it as the Austin Powers style sex scene, like from Austin Powers International Man of Mystery. Yeah. Or, or what is it? It's it, the second one, right? Where he's in the hotel and he's oh, covering up. blocking his junk. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. That's, There's yeah. lots of that yeah, in this movie. Yeah. That's sort of what they do in the orgy scene. Like they they'll, they'll put like a silhouette of a person in front of the genital regions yep. of two people fucking or whatever. Um. So yeah, believe it or not, this is not actually the most explicit version of the movie out there. But I didn't find the sex to be particularly sexy. I think that's what it was. Like I don't think at any no. point was I turned on no. or tantalized. I don't think it's meant to be. It. Yeah. I think it's meant to be disturbing. It is disturbing. Right. Yeah, and it is disturbing, disturbing every single time. And the way that this movie makes you feel about sex and relationships mm. is awful and uncomfortable. And I think that this movie is a horror film. I would argue maybe it's a horror film that only works for adults. Like it well, only works yes. when you have like skin in the game, like uh, when you actually yeah. have relationships and things like that. Interesting, because this can't affect you if you're like a kid. It does, That's a good. Point. I mean, it, it's just a lot of boobs when you're a kid. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, but th this is like a movie made for like people who have like families. It's it's horrifying. One of my revelations, I think, watching this the second time with like an older set of eyes, and I'd, like I definitely would not have said anything close to this when I was a sophomore in college or whatever. Uh, the movie kind of ends with a happy ending, does it? And like it, it's kind. I I kind of think it is. Like I I think like it's kind of, you know, a, okay. At the time, the sort of tabloid narrative surrounding this movie was Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, an actual married couple, were cast in the Stanley Kubrick movie. They were put through an exhaustive 
uh, filming process. It is still, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, the longest continuous film shoot of all time at 400 days. It was supposed wow. to be six months. It ended up being 15. Jesus 15 Christ. months it took to film this movie. Wow, that's almost like the the, the whole lockdowns and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> so they signed up for this. They did 15 months of shooting. Um, at the time, Stanley Kubrick subjected them to psychological torture. Right. Uh, he, Which he's known for, right? Right. Unfortunately, he, yeah. He made them sleep in the same bedroom that they used for the movie. All of their clothes were str- uh, strewn a- around the, the room um, to sort of simulate the experience of being in their actual bedroom. Uh, the three of them, and I'm talking about Kidman, Cruz, and Kubrick, sat together over several sessions and talked through all of their marriage problems. Like he just like had a psychoanalysis session and uh, he got them to reveal like very intimate details about their love life and about their marriage. And you're telling me Cruz and Kidman didn't work out? Well, so that was the media narrative around this was like didn't work out. (laughs) It was like, oh, this movie led to their divorce because I think they got divorced two years after this. And I'm sure like this didn't help. Definitely did not know. (laughs) So I think the media narrative around it and and also my like interpretation of it at the time was this is a movie about a marriage falling apart. But I watch it now and I'm like, no, this is kind of a, a movie about a marriage surviving and getting stronger. And, and I, that was like the well, I don't know about trying to. I think succeeding. I think they were successful at the end of it. No, I, I think they I'm were. Not, I think I, they share like an intimate, true moment at the end. Not no, to fast forward too much I, to the end of the movie, but I, I think like at the end of this, they come out strong. I kind of agree. Yeah, I kind of felt the opposite though. For, okay, <laughs> I, I didn't believe anything Nicole Kidman was saying, you know, and that's at the toy store. Yeah. Yeah, I think okay. that's my big thing. It's like like one one character's like, back to ebbing and flowing. <laughs> one character clearly came out like a changed person, and the other was like maybe I don't know. One was much more ambiguous about the idea of them potentially mm. getting back together. That's how Who I felt are you about referring to. Nicole, I, oh, Nicole Kidman, anyway, because Tom Cruise is a different person by the end of the movie for sure. Whereas Nicole Kidman very much feels like I guess I have to put up with this and. I guess I'm just we're just going <laughs> to test it more more and that's just going to be our marriage. Her problem, her her demons that she's facing early on in the film mm. is that she doesn't feel like or she feels like that her husband takes her for granted, her love mm-hmm. for him for yeah. granted. Yeah. Yes. And she doesn't feel that because he doesn't get jealous. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't get jealous over the fact that she could have anybody she wants and she stays with him and he goes, "Well, I trust you." to just do the right thing and she she feels like he's taking her for granted by the end of the movie he has gone through a breakdown yeah over the fact that he was jealous mm-hmm. that's what it comes down to mm-hmm. and i think that and then she says that she wants to uh sleep with him afterwards and i i, I think she meant that as a way of like empowering their relationship again and it's that, vital again well possibly 100 right because you, you can read that as like the like it, it almost doesn't feel that way, though. Like that was not my emotional response. It's, it, it was kind of nasty and and dark. There was like it's the I find the ending incredibly upsetting, actually, for like kind of the op- I mean, I because that, that's very true. I like I like what he has to go through to understand, like, like you, you shouldn't take something like this for granted. But I don't know. There, there's a so, there's, there's yeah. a level of like disposability to the to everything he's gone gone through when she says, let's just fuck. 
And I'm like, so I felt I felt the same way as you did the first time that I watched it. Yeah, I I thought like this ending is supposed to mean that like all human interaction, specifically interactions between a couple in a relationship, is built on sex. And so it's this foundational I, thing. And by the time that the sex sort of, you know, uh, uh, washes away, like whatever the sexual appeal, the 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 sort of ex- the excitement of it all. Right. You're left with nothing. That, but watching it again, when you view it in its totality, right, that monologue at the beginning of the movie or the sort of what, like a half hour into the movie where Nicole Kidman talks about the fantasy. Yeah, that's her saying you view me as a sexual object. And that's the first shot of the movie. The first shot of the movie is her butt ass naked. And Tom Cruise isn't even paying attention to her. Like she's asking like, how does my dress look? Whatever. Do you like these shoes? Yada, yada. You just, does my hair look good? And he doesn't even look at her and he goes, yeah, it looks great. Whatever. And and they go sort of through the motions of a marriage, the, the theatricality of a marriage, the performance that you're supposed to put on before you leave as a couple to this party. And then Cruz has the realization, oh shit, this woman is a a, um, a, a a sexual being that is in control. She's in power. She has power over me. Yeah. Right. And so he views that by the end and she acknowledges, yes, you view this. You, you now understand what I've been going through. And he finally shares a moment of vulnerability with her. Yes. Yeah, he tells her everything. Yeah. He tells her everything he just did. You know? Which, and so now, the, what's really interesting, yeah. too, about all of this is that there is so much like turmoil over uh both um jealousy of each other lust for other people there's so much turmoil going on and yet neither of them actually cheat on each other no not really no at any no. point in the whole film no. not there's at a, all which i love there's a lot detail. of yeah. there's a lot of almost there's a lot of you know maybe but they, at no point in the film do they actually cheat on each other no. yes which is i think the most incredible detail no they're constantly that mo- tested that's sort of the point Right. And how do they act on those those tests? It's it's very well, interesting. Well, sometimes they you know. fail, though. Yeah, a little bit. You know, they certainly emotionally fail on many occasions in this movie. Um, yeah. I And I certainly love what the movie becomes after Nicole Kidman reveals to to him like her her thoughts that she was having, uh, uh, you know, so long ago and him finally feeling a little bit of jealousy in that first 20 minutes because the movie after he realizes that is tremendously more interesting because I hate the first 20 minutes of this movie. I think they're, the fir- they're I think they're <laughs> yeah. strange and I think they're necessary. They're necessary, but they're stiff as hell. I don't like everything ed- before the party. Is that what you're referencing? Well, the part, including the party. I don't like the party scene. I don't. Oh, like- I love the party. Oh, I the hate party it. feels yeah. like the whole movie is going to be about a couple of swingers. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I honestly, when they got home together after the party, I thought they were going to tell each other with 100 percent honesty what had occurred mm. and like laugh it off. Yeah, and laugh out like these people trying to like sleep with us or whatever. It, like, that's it, where I thought it was going. Almost thinks it's going to be, but then it's 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 not quite. But and then it gets like dark. <laughs> I find the whole thing uh, shockingly stiff, and you know, I was just like, I, I I could see what you're doing in this scene, and it's certainly an important section of the movie, but it by no means was I emotionally compelled by it. Uh, so can we can we talk about the stiffness for a second? Well, sometimes I think like yeah. Are you going to make excuses for Kubrick? No, I'm. Because I, 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 <laughs> I, no, really I don't. don't. Well, you're going to make excuses for Kubrick. Well, because I don't. Because the rest <laughs> of the movie sentence. is not like that. Like, like, and I, I wouldn't necessarily call Kubrick that guy in full. He can be if that's the point of the movie, like in 2001. But I don't know if that was always the case here. Certainly, I'll, I'll give it this though. It does certainly give off a good impression of people like trying to put up a front for other people. 
in a social mm-hmm. scenario. So it kind of works for me in that way, but it was awkward. The whole thing was just kind of eh. Right. Okay. So you cast Tom Cruise mm. in the lead of this movie. Tom Cruise at this point in time is fresh off of Jerry Maguire. He's done Born on the Fourth of July. Yeah. He's he's uh, I think he's already done the first Mission Impossible, right? Um, hard to name an actor at this point in time that is more bombastic and expressive mm. working in mainstream Hollywood than Tom Cruise. Sure. Like a guy that is just the energy level is turned to eleven every single fucking time. Uh, and then he gets cast in this movie that is about a guy sleepwalking through life essentially, and and sort of. Um, sleepwalking through this weird fever dream that he embarks on over over two nights in New York City. And he's a passive character, right? And his performance is quite passive and it's quite like lethargic or whatever. I guarantee you that's not what the performance was on day one of the shoot. <laughs> I fucking guarantee you that. Yeah. I guarantee you when Tom Cruise showed up that day, he was doing the rat-a-tat Tom Cruise thing. And... Uh, I don't think it's a surprise that this movie took 400 days to shoot because Kubrick subjected Kidman and Cruz to like 90 takes on every scene. Mm-hmm. He did the Fincher thing, yeah. but he he did Fincher before Fincher. Yeah, right? well, he's and always he been doing Fincher before Fincher. He's been doing yeah, that right. for a was long the, time. Yeah. Exactly. Was always doing this. And you have to ask yourself, like Kubrick has 90 takes if 87 of them are crews doing the cruise thing with like the dialogue just like being right in the pocket, just like slapping, right? And then there's that one take where there's like a five second awkward pause between a line that he says and a line that Nicole Kidman says, and he chooses the one with the awkward pause. I think it's incumbent on us to ask, why did he include that? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you can just dismiss it as, oh, well, the acting wasn't really tight there. Like, there is intentionality to everything Stanley Kubrick does. And when it doesn't work, that's because he made the wrong decision. But you can't say that he didn't make the decision, right? I, All I of never this said is that. very intentional. Yeah. So, like, I'm looking at this as, and, I'm 100% with you, Adam. This is exactly how I felt about the movie the first time I saw it. Mm. I'm like, God, this thing is so fucking slow and Kubrick just jerk off motion, right? Literally, I guess, in this movie. Um, But I, I look at it now and I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. What was he trying to convey there? And I think the point of this is that a guy like Tom Cruise, who is so fucking enthusiastic in everything he's in, can be reduced to nothing. And in this movie, he is reduced to nothing. Yeah. And in order to go there, you have to take the time that Kubrick takes in all of these scenes. Oh, it's the, um, the rest of the movie's great. I think. Yeah. Uh, but all the scenes are like that, though. No, no. This movie zips way by. I don't think it's slow at all. And it's one of those. I mean, Kubrick's sort of famous for this, at least for me, where it's like he's he's I, I said over um over uh, uh, our little group chat that I had, I turned the movie off and went to bed. But that was really only because I was really fucking tired and got mm-hmm. up the following morning to go to New York City. <laughs> so I would have kept watching because this is one. Of, this is another one of those instances where it's like, oh god, I want to finish this movie, but you know, I'm falling mm-hmm. asleep here. Because uh, right. yeah, it's. I think the movie's actually quite brisk. Strangely, you know, I've never really had that issue with it, um, mm. and uh, it's another. In- instance uh one of those rare instances where i actually love tom cruise in the movie mm, yeah he's great he's really good yeah he's great for being a i don't little think more he's as good as kidman but i think he's great i don't like kidman at all what <laughs> and i was just talking about this i do yeah, she mentioned this to me i struggle with kidman a lot and this is one of those instances where it's just like every 
thing she says was just wrong to me. I didn't feel a single ounce of like authenticity or like like I I never really bought like her turmoil. It always felt like she was acting. I just found the performance incredibly distracting more than anything. I don't get the impression that she's experiencing turmoil. I get the impression that she experienced turmoil Mm. Mm. and she's now at the point where she's fed up. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. That's that. that's a good point. Yeah, I did. I, I, yeah, I don't. And I don't know. I, I, I liked her in this. I like both of them in this. I unfortunately, Adam, I don't think I could disagree with you more on, on all of it because I really did like that first scene as well. Yeah, yeah. I think and I think Kidman's like remarkable. Yeah. I mean, the monologue I, about the about the, the soldier or whatever. I think that's like, a good that's, scene. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think like she's incredible in that scene. Yeah. I mean, you she know. doesn't have as much character development. I'm not sure she's really meant to. No, she's not. Mm-hmm. That's not the point. Um, of her and maybe that's a flaw in the movie. No, not necessarily. You, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I, I think like Cruz. I mean, I agree with you that I would have enjoyed more screen time with her. But I well, think like, the, I also the, just. Yeah. I just think the fact that, like, you know, the, the way the movie is talking about how, you know, she's she's saying, oh, you only view women as, like, sex objects. But, like, in this movie, we don't really get a lot of female character development. But we see a lot of naked females. Right. So, you know, it, it might be kind of a, a flaw with the movie as a whole. It's just that we're really only exploring this one guy. That's, yeah, that's entirely. Because I think the movie props her up as the person that's kind of right for the majority of the movie or at least you're supposed to sympathize with her more than anyone else so it doesn't really care to 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 i don't know uh, develop her more it's like you tom cruise is essentially striving to be more like that or have a deeper understanding of her so that's why it's more his story as opposed to hers in a way well yeah it i mean it's a movie about how a man views women you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying it's it's not really a story about men or women it's about you know you need both you know, sort of aspects of it in order to like have a complete story here. So like, yeah, I, 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 I see what you're saying, Nick. And I told, I understand the criticism and I like, I've certainly heard that criticism about this movie before. Definitely. But I do think like Nicole Kidman's sexuality and the, the way that they like use her naked body in this movie is like very intentional. And I do think oh, like absolutely. the mm-hmm. point is that Cruz views her as a sex as a sexual being. Do you know what I mean? Not like an object, but as like a being that has sort of autonomy over like who she sleeps with and whether or not she wants to remain in this marriage. Like the point is that she, he doesn't take her for granted. Right. That's that's the point of the movie. Um, and I think. Yeah, I think on the surface, you're 100 percent right. Like the movie is kind of objectifying of certain women. But. You look at these scenes, again, as we said before, there's nothing particularly sexy about any of these scenes. Like, none of the nudity is that tantalizing, and that's because I think you're supposed to view it as, you know, view the the male desire as kind of like a disturbing, dangerous thing, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. so again, like, yeah, I agree, actually, 100% with what you said here. I'm not so much saying that I'm criticizing the movie for that. I'm saying that I could see why somebody would. Yes. And perhaps it is... uh, Perhaps it is like something that is arguably missing from the story, even though we're already at a two and a half hour film. I'm not because I'm not convinced it's like a great interrogation of its ideas all the way through for for a lot of those reasons. I probably would have liked something that was a little more well-rounded because to me it is very much about the journey that Tom Cruise needs to have. But I, I, I get it. But, you know, maybe I would have been a little more interested with, you know, something a little deeper. Um, but. I it's funny though because I think like <laughs> I was kind of watching it as like this like sexual Dante's Inferno 
in a way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after reminded me of After Hours a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting the Scorsese point. movie. Like, know? but if you watch it as like this like personal odyssey, and just as that, like the movie's really entertaining and really compelling, and. Yeah, and scary. That, yeah, it's really, really, really scary. And I, I think what the movie uncovers in that bizarre journey that Tom Cruise has is actually pretty interesting. And I sort of liked it for that. You know, that's sort of what mm-hmm. I was taking away from like the whole experience. But if I was to interrogate the movie as like an examination of marriage and relationship, there are many instances where I'm kind of like it's sometimes saying too much and as a result, not saying anything. And I'm like, fine, you know. I've sort of mixed on a few ideas and honestly, yeah, hard, I, hard disagree with that. No, but that, that, that hard, but that, that was sort of my, I, I see you, 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 what you, <laughs> you with Kubrick, you never let him off the hook. And I'm like, dude, he's not perfect. <laughs> Did you just pull the Robert De Niro and analyze this? That you, you, it's like, you have to accept that maybe Kubrick made more mistakes. He finger wagged at me. I'm just saying. Did you see that finger wag? I saw it. I saw Did it. you fucking see See that? No, but he wagged his finger over the Jitsi call. Because I I agree with you. Because I agree with you when you talk about Kubrick, like having always being intentional. I agree with that. Yeah. But I yeah. don't think he was universally perfect. And there are many instances, especially in this no, one. No, it's not. No, 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 no. no. I'm, like, I'm not saying perfection. I'm 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 not saying perfection. But I am saying that he completely executed his vision. I don't know. If, no, I see think, that I disagree with completely. Okay, because this is one of those instances where it's like there, there's. It's so obvious to me that yeah, this is not a fully formed Kubrick film. It's wow, a, it's a Kubrick film, but like yeah, this a lot of this was clearly taken away from him, and that's one of the more what complicated. Yeah, well, that that's part of the history of this film too. That's a controversy, but I, I feel like that's kind of been overstated. I don't know, man. The, 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 uh, there are many instances, particularly with like the needle drops, which I just like, ew. Like there's that, that I guess you could say iconic shot of like Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, Kidman making out in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And I don't see a universe where Kubrick honestly uses that musical choice there. That's just one example. I was like, huh. That's not a Kubrick choice at all. Like if it were him, he probably would have played the uh, the 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 movie's theme, the like the piano theme, or some some variation of it that's a little more horrifying. The, the piano theme in the uh, in the in the the orgy scene. Yeah, yeah, which kind of okay. re- reoccurs. But like that's a moment where if you take away the audio, it's a horror scene, and it's really chilling to watch her just kind of like she's letting him kiss her neck and she's just like looking at this the mirror empty and like thinking about whether or not she wants to like stick this out with him it's a really Mm. chilling moment that i love but like the music suggests something totally different remind me what the music was in that scene oh god what the fuck was that was it classical no (laughs) no 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 okay it's like a fucking uh it, it almost sounds like the same guy that did like bad to the bone it's like that kind of shit it's like oh but no but wasn't that diegetic music though was it yeah, that was that was music. Yeah, actually, in the scene, there's a record player play. I don't remember. There's the a shot. radio play. I don't remember the shot of the record player then. Yeah, no, a lot of the music is diegetic. That's oh, why I kind of appreciated it. Like at the beginning of the movie yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like with the 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 hooker, like that diegetic music. Because I thought the same thing there, but then they turned it off, and I was like, well, that was smart because that didn't make a lot of sense to me either. Right. Well, but in the beginning of the movie, when they're getting ready to to go to the party, mm. and that like really overbearing classical music is playing. Remember well, that, that? no, that, that now, funny enough, that is actually the score. That's the score of the movie. So all all was like, that an original? That was original for the music. I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Okay. 
I or did Kubrick just use music. more score? Yeah, he could have just done that. But, maybe yeah. maybe Kubrick asked Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman what music they'd actually listen to while they're making love, and he made sure to play that. <laughs> he might have, yeah. Because yeah, I'm I'm confused now by which music was diegetic and which was not. All I know is that they didn't cut to a shot of the record player when they get to that shot I was referring to earlier. So that's what kind of. Well, I think you'll have to go back. I think you need to apologize to Stanley. Oh yeah, I think you need to go back and check your facts. I know they didn't cut because it's just one shot. It's just that one shot that they cut to. They just show Nicole Kidman naked, and then Tom Cruise slides in next to her and starts doing his thing. Yeah. So it might have been nice to have that information. Uh, okay. Well, okay. So here's the story with this, right? The movie, of course, took, as I said, 400 days to shoot, and there was a very lengthy post-production process. Uh, as the story goes, Kubrick delivered the final cut of the movie to the studio, played it for the head of Warner Brothers, as well as Nicole Kidman and Tom mm-hmm. Cruise, and then six la- days later died in his sleep. Yeah. Six days after the final cut was delivered. Yeah. Um, now, there has been, you know, some debate because I think the movie came out three months after that day. There is, uh, you know, some audio mixing that was not complete. Some just like post-production technical stuff that wasn't complete. And some people sort of downplay that as like, oh, yeah, it's just like they had to clean up all the bells and whistles. But other people were like, no, he was, you know he had a lot more work still to do in post-production and that cut that he showed was just for contractual reasons. It, it wasn't actually his final vision. Uh, Arlie Emery, believe it or not, uh, <laughs> from full metal jacket yeah, and other I great movies. This, this is funny. Uh, said that uh, Kubrick phoned him two weeks before his death to express his despondency over eyes wide shut. Quote, he told me it was a piece of shit, Hermie said in Radar Magazine, and that he was disgusted with it and that critics were going to have him for lunch. He said Cruz and Kidman had their way with him, exactly the words he used. Um, so there is some debate. I don't know. This feels like a Kubrick movie to me. Like, this feels like very, like, painstakingly Kubrick. And it's um, not, I mean, it's not as Kubrick as, like, like the shining you know or something like that because they're both pretty damn kubrick man there's a lot of steady cam the the music no the way it looks yeah (laughs) yeah i think it's a little more personal like 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 a lot of kubrick films there's the distance that you have with a lot of the characters which sometimes Mm -hmm. works for me sometimes does not but this is one of those instances where it's like i never really felt at a tremendous distance um there, although, although funny enough, in the beginning of the movie, I certainly felt that where like every shot is a fucking two shot of people talking to each other in profile. And I'm just like, OK, man, like <laughs> maybe that's the point. But I'm like, you're taking me out of the movie with this, please. <laughs> Something else. Yeah, I, I hate that opening. I think it fucking sucks. But everything oh. else is good. <laughs> Nick, do you want to go through the plot of this movie? I don't know if I, I don't know if I can. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle it. (laughs) Give it a try. I mean, okay, so... (laughs) Uh, We open up with Cruz and Kidman going to a party. Invited to a party, and uh, it's revealed Cruz is a doctor. And I'm assuming one of his patients, uh, or... I I think it's a patient, right? Who invited Uh, him to the party? Yes, yes. Um, uh, played by uh, the great Sidney Pollock, yeah. uh, Victor Ziegler is the name of the party host. Yes. Originally supposed to be Harvey Keitel. Yeah. Harvey Keitel actually shot a lot of the movie, but then had to drop out because it took 400 days to shoot. There's another oh, story, wow. which I hope is true. What is that story? The story goes uh, told by Gary Oldman, like, well, like, I, I think that the show was that it was contractual, that he had to leave and do another project. But he said that, well... Uh, 
Harvey was in the middle of doing, I think it was like 150 takes of him just walking through a door and yeah. uh, like like close to being done with those 150 takes, he looked at Kubrick and he said, you fucking nuts, I'm out of here. And he just walked <laughs> off the set. Might have been that too. I hope that's not sure. <laughs> walking through a door a hundred times, he's like, no, f- y- y- you're nuts. Fuck this. I, I actually think Sidney Pollack was the better choice. No. I, I, no? <laughs> I don't like Sidney. What, what is the matter with you? Why no. are we so on a different yeah, page this with an, this? This was another performance where I'm like, Every line you're saying is wrong, but he's so good in this movie. Okay. What are you saying? All right. He's so good. He's so smarmy and gross. He he's such a fucking creep. No. But he's such a fucking <laughs> creep but also like really charming. Like the the turn, the sudden turn that you take of like, oh, this is like a really nice guy. He's hosting a nice party, you know. Enjoy, have a good time. Oh, thanks, buddy. Thanks well, thanks, I, Victor. I I mean, I I really love the way he can work as a character who, you know, invites you in. Oh, how are you? Would you like some scotch here? Well, yeah. Yeah. look, I got to tell you something, man. Uh, that crazy murder orgy you were at last night, you can't talk to people about that. I love the character. You're, a, good, you're no, no. a great friend of mine, but you can't you can't talk about those things. No, but oh, Kaitel would have played character, it. No, yeah. Kaitel would have been almost too believable as a guy that attends orgy. Oh, I'm not you saying Kaitel would have been a better option, but I don't. I just don't think uh, Pollock's performance is very good, dude. God, you're so wrong. I'm, I'm, you're, you're just, I'm just so fucking it, like it, the moment where he calls him up to the bathroom and the hooker's there like half dead. Mm. Th- that moment, and you sort of see him getting dressed or whatever, and it's like Sidney Pollock, who's like you know from Tootsie and other great American classic films, director of Three Days at the Condor, yeah. or whatever. And you see this guy, and it's like, oh shit, he almost killed a hooker because they were taking too many eight balls or whatever, China, yeah. like. Like that to me is like sort of what this movie is about, like the facade that people put yeah. on and how they are behind closed doors. And ironically, when Sidney Pollack puts on the mask in the orgy scene, that is when he is his most real, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like the face that he's wearing throughout the rest of the day is the performance. Right. <laughs> and th- that I think you needed somebody like that. I think you needed somebody that like has a nice smile and, and is really charming and would be like a cool uncle. To hang out with. And that's the, the vibe that Pollock gives here. Like, I fucking love him in this movie. I, I actually yep. love all of his acting performances. I love it when he shows up in his own movies. And I love stuff. him in Tootsie. He's so, so good, good in Tootsie. In Tootsie. Yeah. He's so fucking good. Yeah. I felt absolutely nothing towards him in this. Yeah, I think it's a terrible performance. <laughs> I was like, nope. A whole lot of Sounds nothing. like it went down in your estimation since you watched it the first time. It didn't move much. It was just like I appreciated more things. I wouldn't say I like... I, I wouldn't say like I it, put it this way. It's not moving up my ranking. It's still the second to the bottom. So, so in my yeah. limited uh, experience with Kubrick, I, I always feel like all of the characters, all of the actors come across as like ghosts of themselves. Sometimes that's intentional. And I, well, I that's what I think is. And I think it comes down to the way that he does psychologically torture his actors, the way that he does make them do a thousand takes. Uh. And I don't know. I mean, I, I just think it it makes the whole world feel like ethereal and mm. like haunting. And I, I just think that's part of why he's so successful. And it works in this film as well to me, honestly. In mm. fact, like the, the way that most of the characters feel so like dead and empty. And then you have him. I, I can't remember his name, but the guy we we're just talking about coming in, oh, okay. yeah. smiling and handing you a glass of scotch. And like it just... 
I don't know. It it works really well for me. I I'm I'm not gonna say if somebody else would have been better cast. I'm definitely not equipped to make that argument. But I I liked him a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought I, I I thought speaking to the ethereal quality of it all, Nick. Like oh, yeah. the Christmas lights. Can we talk about the Christmassiness of this movie? Let's remember yeah, this is it's, a Christmas it's everywhere. Isn't it? <laughs> right, right. W- would you guys consider this a Christmas movie? How could you not? There's at I least kind of two agree. Christmas trees. <laughs> I, that's true. I guess it's part of the yeah, it's part of the setting. I don't know what it has to do with Christmas thematically, but Christmas is Love in, is in the air, Adam. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, it's the Christmas. Love is vibe. in the air. That's true. It's the family coming together, right? <laughs> Literally coming together. Uh, yeah, sure. The family that comes together stays together. <laughs> I guess they would, wouldn't they? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's uh, up. No, I, I kind of think it is. Like, I, I think sort there's of. definitely some subtext here that I'm missing. And it, like, I'm sure that somebody much smarter than me that actually like studies this shit would kind of know. Um but there's a lot of like references to rainbows in this movie. Mm. The costume shop is called Rainbow Costumes. I think when you go to the basement, it says under the rainbow. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, I think the, the the two models at the beginning when they talk to Cruz at the party are like, he asked them, where are we going? And they said they to the, the end, end of the rainbow. The rainbow. Mm. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and also these Christmas lights, it's just like constant rainbow imagery. I, I mean, the, the Christmas lights in this movie are striking as christmas lights often are but um they just sort of they pepper all of these exterior shots and i think part of it is just like yeah it's christmas time and kubrick likes shining or shooting with natural light um and those i think provided an interesting like way to uh approach the cinematography but also part of it is the artificiality of the outside this is a movie about masks that we wear it's about fakeness um and there is this you know, this idea that every scene in the movie has Christmas lights or Christmas trees or that giant star at the Christmas party at the beginning. But then when you go to the sex cult orgy, like that's when you don't see any more Christmas lights. Like that's what's actually going on behind the scenes. Um, I don't know. I think, I think there's something interesting to that. I I, I don't know exactly what the rainbow motif is all about. Uh, Would you uh, like to, I, I just did some quick research. Okay. Oh, he found From something. a website called thetake.com. Ah. Cool. All right. So they mention the recurring idea of going where the rainbow ends. Um, and then, of course, the end of a rainbow is a place that's impossible to reach. Mm. Um, talking about the false promises of desire mm-hmm. and how essentially, you know, you try to reach it and it doesn't actually make you happy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as oh, there you go. Quote, as Lee Siegel wrote, desire is like Christmas. It always promises more than it delivers. Eyes Wide Shut has been called a Christmas movie for grown-ups. Instead of the latest cool toy, the thing characters very badly want is anonymous sex. But what doesn't change, no matter your age, is that the feeling of getting what you thought you wanted doesn't make you happy. Mm. So, that's what they have to say about that. Yeah. Kind of Christmassy. Which is kind of interesting. That's kind uh, of a Christmassy theme. I would argue. I, don't, I, I did not think that those two uh, conversations we we're having were going to somehow combine. <laughs> I, I certainly think the Christmas. It's hard for me to consider this a Christmas movie, but the Christmasness, Christmasness of it sort of fuels the fire that the movie is. So it sort of helps for like what you just explained, like the, especially the fakeness element and sort of mm-hmm. kind of keeps that like like aura over you the entire time of what's real or what matters. 
I've seen some arguments that this is about consumerism. I'm not sure it's that. Really? Yeah, I, 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 I don't necessarily buy that read of it, but no, I, I do think this idea of like, yeah, on Christmas Day, like you expect the greatest gift under the tree or, you know, the this uh, this sort of storybook moment of family and love. And most of the time, it's like a pretty miserable time of year. Like it's like a real stressful sort of anticlimactic yeah. time of the year. And uh, yeah, I, OK, I buy that. I like the end of the rainbow thing. That's pretty good. But there is definitely a lot of rainbow in this movie. A lot of colors. Yeah, it's very colorful. I love how the movie looks. I just oh, think it looks like great. It's really yeah. Funny enough, I thought the movie, it does not look like a movie from 1999. No. Which, which I found very interesting. It looks older. In a good way, though. Yes. It definitely looks like a I, movie that could I was, have been released right after was, The Shining. Yeah, I was pinning it at like 79 to 83. Yep. Mm. But then which you're like, like Tom very specific. But no, I was just watching it in the aesthetic. I was like, this has got to be then. And then I was like, but cruising. I looked up the year and I was like, yeah, what? it does not feel like a 1999. <laughs> right. Film, which I found so interesting. Yeah. So I'm going to get back to the plot. So uh, he is at this party with Ziegler and um, he breaks off from his wife and uh she gets approached by a man who begins to, you know, try and seduce her and he asks to dance with her and they spend a significant amount of the night just dancing together and him trying to get her to go off with him. And she basically, you know, she, she engages, I think, but ultimately says, you know, I'm married. And so she's like, you know, it's one thing to like have like a fun little like dance and flirt, but she draws a line. Mm. Right. Um, she she plays around with the idea much like Cruz is about to. Um, right. Although, yeah, it seems like she has a pretty like uh, a pretty uh, thick line in the sand, a clearly uh, defined line in the sand where Cruz, I don't even think, has considered this possibility. No. And again, like that's part of the movie, too. Right. Like Nicole Kidman knows the rules of engagement because she's thought it all through. Right. Whereas Cruz is so clueless. Right. Just has no idea what's going on in her head, has not even broached the possibility that she might have an affair, or that he might have an affair. And so when he's pushed to this logical extreme, uh, you know, that's when he, I guess, goes too far down the rainbow. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we're right. going to continue this sure. metaphor. Right. <laughs> I, like like I, he just goes hog wild and just tries every yeah. avenue possible of having sex. Yeah. I love I love that descent. It's just so it's so great for me. Well, so, yeah, but before getting to that, so he's at the party and um, while, she, while she's being flirted with, he's also being flirted with by two young models hmm. and they're trying to take him off somewhere. And he's kind of like going along with it. But he's like, but where are we going? And they just won't really tell him. And the best obvious. part about that is that it's not his decision to get uh, pulled away. That's that's that right. was a really smart idea. So right, right. But, so yeah, he, he's ultimately pulled away because someone calls him like, "We need your assistance," and he's. I think he says to be continued. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it yeah. is fair to say that every time that he does not cheat on his wife, mm. it is not technically of his own choice. Yeah, something comes up and takes him away mm-hmm. from making that choice. You could say saves him. Yes, I would argue. Um, In some cases, explicitly saves him. Yeah, like right. he avoids getting AIDS. Literally, the yes. hooker that he wanted to sleep with had AIDS, and that, but that's like just sort of a. Classic, Although that was something that he found out after the fact. Yes. technically he did make the correct choice. Right, but then he came back and tried to. Yeah, so anyway, but he was right. called though, wasn't he? He was called, I think, by right. someone during that, that altercation. Yeah, it was during the. Yeah, 
So, but this is actually one of my criticisms of the movie. I do think it's a better and more interesting movie if they interrogate that for both sides of Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. And I understand that that's not entirely the point that the movie wants to get at, but I do think maybe it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, but she is sure of herself. No, right? but That's the thing. Her- she's already. It seems like she's already struggled with this, and she's come to her conclusion. But right. do it in tandem. It's just a much more like interesting, like like conflict, in my opinion. Right, and that's where I kind of agree with you. Where I think that there is only the male side being explored here, which mm-hmm. could be a fault of the movie. It's not about, and I'm not going to be one of those people that says that's a sexist idea because that's not really what it is. That's I, not what I'm saying I, either. I think narratively, I just think that yeah, if you're trying to tell this story. You should be telling it from both sides. It's a actually because that's just what the story's about. Yeah, I think it's a little more honest, <laughs> right? personally. So mm. that's my biggest criticism with the movie. Honestly, I yeah. do wonder if this movie would have worked had the genders been swapped. That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Wow. Not. Good question. Right. It's a it's a very different movie. But yeah, it's it's still uh, a different movie. Is it though? I don't it's know. Still difficult. It's a very different movie. It, th- this is a uniquely, I think, male sort of conflict. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I, I think like what, but what I think Cruz I think goes the through, point that Kidman makes is that no, it's not. You think it's a male conflict, but I've went through this myself. I think that's the point she's trying to make is that women think this too. Well, to to both of your points, in essence, it would have been the same, Nick. But I think like it, like say you do both sides, and they're cutting yeah, back. The details with, would have to be changed. Yeah, they're cutting back and forth between Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman yes. and whatever they're going through, and their stories would look very different. Tom Cruise's might have stayed the same, but it's not like Nicole Kidman would have ended up like at a fucking like Bilderberg meeting of sex. It, it wouldn't. Have well, been. you know what though? <laughs> it's funny you say that because there was a part of me that thought. At some point when he was at that masked orgy, yeah. that the woman he got paired with would be his wife. Oh, that's great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. I thought that would have been something incredible. What is that about? <laughs> oh, that would have been weird. <laughs> I mean, there was a part of me for a brief moment where I was like, wow, that would be insane. Wow. Yeah, that's a totally Very different, different movie. movie but yeah. 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 <laughs> No, that, yeah. that's yeah. That no, that's interesting. I I just don't think like Cruz's ignorance is a. It, that's not really something a female character would go through. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. where like I'm I'm not sure that most women are sort of ignorant of of the man's sexual desires in the way that men are ignorant of women's sexual desires. Sure. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But that's and I think like it, that's yeah. kind of that. I mean, that's entirely that is one of the conflicts, but it's I'm not saying. the only. Conflict that's yeah, exactly. But, yeah. Going on but that's why you kind of have to tell it from Cruz's point of view. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's that's why the movie kind of has though, to... is it? Is it the only thing that's that important? I don't know. This movie has a lot of things that it's trying to uncover. So, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Something to chew on. I do think it's a yeah, I. I because I, I kept thinking like, oh, that would have been a great idea. That would have been a great idea. Oh, I, I wish I had seen more of this, you know. But I, I mm. t- to clarify, by the way, I like the movie because I know I'm talking about it as if I don't. Because it sounds like you fucking hate it. No, it sounds <laughs> like you are spitting on Kubrick's grave right now. You know what? Fuck Kubrick. You're pulling down your Fuck pants, Stanley taking a massive deuce right on his gravesite. I don't care about <laughs> monkeys beating bones into the ground. All that's a load of bullshit. That 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 opening of two thousand. Oh my god, that opening's so good. Uh, <laughs> two thousand one fucking rocks. So there's an example of a movie I saw when I was incredibly young, and I was I like, hated "Fuck it. this movie!" Oh, I hated it so much. But that was a light bulb moment where I went, 
oh, I was right. stupid. Yes. <laughs> I was a moron. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hated yeah. that movie yeah. when I was yeah. just dribbling. I don't think I've ever seen it, by the way. Ooh. It, rocks it, yeah it but does. you can't like watch it on a laptop screen Nick. no like, you need to like blast the volume and watch it on a giant tv it is amongst the slowest things ever made nick so it's so slow so just it's go so in slow. like like with that in mind but like that thing is just this this bizarre fever dream experience that take that makes you <laughs> re-examine life in a whole new way oh, yeah. yeah like i gotta uh, think about what kubrick films have i seen here i've oh, seen boy. full metal jacket I've obviously Great. seen Eyes Wide Shut, Clockwork Orange. Great. Uh, I have seen The Shining, and I don't like The Shining, and that's my hot take. It's fine. You're not uh, the only we one. We don't need to dwell You're on it. You're not the only one. <laughs> Including Stephen King. You and I have, Stephen King are on the same page. Met, you know, I've met a lot of people that don't like The Shining. I like well, The Shining yeah. a lot, but like I've met a lot of people that do not like The yeah. Shining. Yeah. Shining. Uh, I've seen enough of Doctor Strange Love to say that I've seen Doctor Strange Love. That is okay. my favorite Kubrick film. Uh, Mine as well. Yeah. Okay. Mine as well. Um, and then it's I think Orange. if I'm going through the I think that's it so not a huge not a huge uh, not you a saw the big ones I think I would say so yeah 2001 I haven't Pads seen Pads of Glory is probably the last big one that you have Lolita I think you can go without seeing Spartacus for a while. You could prop <laughs> Lolita's notable enough, I guess. Yeah, Lolita's pretty good. Iconic enough, I suppose. Um, See, the, the, the Eyes Wide Shut is better than Lolita, in my opinion. It says one-eyed Jack. Depends on who you ask. I'm not entirely sure about that, though. I, I, I believe Marlon Brando directed one-eyed Jacks. Isn't yeah. that correct? Um, okay, well, was Kubrick involved? Google's not always the most reliable <laughs> source. For a quick search, you know. Yeah. Mm. To to rope back around though, to 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 my point, I I just want I wanted to say like even though I like the purpose of the first twenty minutes, I hate the execution, and um, there are just a few performances I'm not totally keen on, and occasionally I I thought maybe some of the the I don't know the more in- interrogation of the film's ideas could have maybe used the second pass but that that's more minor it's only a few instances because for the most part like I said it's just that journey that Tom Cruise has is more than enough and I I, I actually on rewatch found the film tremendously more entertaining the second yeah. go around but this is a funny movie I, I, I wish I'd said this at the beginning but uh, it's one of my favorite kinds of movies where you know every director kind of has one of these if you watch enough of their films You'll be going through and it's like this this guy fucking rocks. Right. And this guy's the man. And then you'll have a, you'll say you're having a conversation about uh, David Fincher and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like like seven Zodiac uh, Fight Club. They're all bangers. And then there's Alien three. And you mm. kind of like <laughs> and it's not doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad movie, but it's the movie in the guy's filmography that complicates your relationship the most with the director. And I think mm-hmm. this is that movie for Kubrick. And then I like for uh, um, what's the guy's name who did uh, Vanilla Sky? Because that would be the movie for him. Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe would be like, well, Cameron Crowe's got a couple of them now. I, but I would say that was the movie that definitely made people go like, ooh. Hmm. what do we do uh-huh. about this? So I, I like the movie as that, and I like just the, like, perhaps the It's cha- the outlier. It's the ugly duckling, yeah, right? the challenge yeah. of just dealing with it. Because then there's an example, like, uh, like, when The Thing came out, that would have been the movie for most people where everyone went, like, I don't know about John Carpenter. But it's it's one of the very rare examples where the that movie becomes his best movie. Because to this day, when you hear, like, him talking. Now, ab- mi- now I'm missing your metaphor here. No, no. But it's, <laughs> I, I, I'm talking about, like, the, 
the movie that, the that, thing is his best movie. Like I don't no, understand what your point it, is now. Even from his perspective, it's interesting because like he's all he always talks about the film like yeah, and then there's the thing, uh, which I think is my best movie, but it's definitely the one that fucked things up the most, and it is. It certainly is. It's the reason his film is. Oh, career went okay. on the trajectory that it did. I'm talking about the most difficult film in in their. Okay, filmography. so it's the, it, what it is is it's their blank check movie. Sometimes it's the it's the movie where like they finally ascended to the top, and they were given either an unlimited budget or unlimited control over a project because yeah. this person could do no wrong, and then they did this with it. And then there's Malignant. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, Malignant's a great example. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. It's their blank check. Movie. People work best. With constraints. Yeah. Never give people full eh, Sometimes. So, yeah. 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 Nobody. Nobody. No, but I think what Adam <laughs> is saying is that sometimes like a direct every once in a while, once in a blue moon, the director comes around and and does his masterpiece with that budget. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's right. that's why I was citing the thing because it because when it came out, it was definitely the movie that oh, sure, made sure. things difficult for, for him the most. But mm. I think now is widely considered his best film. John Carpenter anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, but this is that movie for Kubrick where everybody I've ever known who sees it, without exception, it's the one where they're like, you know, I love Kubrick, but yeah, I, I still don't know what I feel about Eyes Wide Shut. And that's always the response. I don't know what I feel about that one. I mean, you I know think, what's interesting, though? Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, Nick. You're good. Box office. Did well. Number one movie at the box office. Well, it's opening weekend. I think there's some considerations there. Twenty one million. Which is like a really good number today. <laughs> Did that in 1999. Uh, you know, uh, I think it ended up grossing 55 million. I think the budget was higher, but it was Kubrick's most successful box office outing to date. It yeah, became but he his most just successful died. Movie. Yeah, okay. And that's not, you know what I mean? Like, this is a guy that before this movie came out was already considered one of the best directors of all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People saying the best director of the 1900s mm. and it was the end of the 1900s so they can mm. say that pretty definitively the guy dies right on the tail end right after this movie comes out starring nicole kidman tom cruise of course it's gonna do well like there's nothing in this movie's dna that would say it wouldn't do well and I that is true but so I, I, don't, I, don't I don't know, know if, if it's really indicative of people liking it I this, the, kubrick was ready to work on ai right after this like i like i think like kubrick would have went on and made several other movies no you doubt know what i mean and wouldn't have had any problem getting funding for them right but i'm just saying that when it came to getting people to go to the theater of course you're going to go see kubrick's last film in theaters right. yeah you know what i mean they, Right, I get you. I don't mean to sound superficial about this, but this is one where it's like I think like I could see right through people. Like, how often do movies with like big stars in it, where everyone's naked throughout the majority of the movie, how often do those movies do poorly? <laughs> That's true. And erotic thrillers are huge, but it yeah. was also marketed as an erotic thriller, and it's not really. No, yeah. you know, it was it was marketed as Basic Instinct, but it and I it kind, kind of, of is, is, but it kind of isn't. Yeah. I think it is. I think it's a a different kind. I mean, yeah. Yes and no. You, but you look at erotic yeah. thrillers, and I mean, Basic Instinct is, I mean, I love Basic Instinct, but yeah, that's a great example where it's like, maybe maybe the, the sex had a lot to do with that. I mean, look at Fifty Shades of Grey, for Christ's sake. Right. But, well, I but, think a lot yeah, of time, yeah. thrillers, they make you feel, like, really high the whole time, mm-hmm. and then when you leave, you feel really down. And this <laughs> movie, I feel like, kind of does a bit of the opposite. It makes you, like, really uncomfortable and crawl in the back of your seat the whole time, but then you leave kind of like, I feel like I learned something. I feel like I got something yeah, from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... I don't know. I I still think it qualifies as like a thriller, but it does things a little differently. It operates a little differently. 
there's a like a sleaziness, I think, and I'm not to say that this movie isn't sleazy. It, it is, but I think there's like a there's a sleaziness to the appeal of most erotic thrillers that I don't think this movie has. Like I think there is a there's a certain audience member that will just watch Basic Instinct because they want to see Sharon Stone naked, and they will go into that movie and they will be satisfied seeing Sharon Stone very naked throughout that movie, whereas. You know, if there is a person that is going to see this movie because they heard Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are naked in it, and then they watch this, I have a hard time believing they will be satisfied by their experience. It makes you feel, like, awful about the idea that you'd enjoy that. Exactly. Yes. It makes you feel awful about the idea that you enjoy any of this type of stuff. Right. And And although, like, the orgy scene has been called camp, it's not really campy in the way those other I don't think so. Yeah. It's a little... Well, I, that's a I horror guess scene. No, no, no. That's a horror yeah. scene. I find it really fucking disturbing. This right. movie's got some I, I would really say disturbing the, shit in it. The masks and the incense and the chanting and stuff maybe yeah. is a little campy, like on its face. Uh, but again, I don't think that the feeling you get while watching this is like you're laughing at, with the film kind of thing. It's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. So, no. yeah, on its face, I mean, if you read just like the maybe the script or just like read the notes about the movie you might think that but the tone it's not at all the mood too that just dreadful mood for everything that happens but you know you know uh to to go back to something a little more lighter it's also a little funny i occasionally find the movie pretty funny here's an interesting little factoid so he bought the the rights to this not the or the novella uh trom novel Mm -hmm. trom novel means dream story and and was this a french novel Trom Novelle? Something like, something like that. Uh, but Trom Novelle is the 1926 novella. Uh, Kubrick brought the rights to it in 1968. And in the 70s, he considered doing this movie, um, calling it Dream Story, as an uh, adaptation uh, of a sex comedy. With oh. wild and somber, with a wild and somber streak running through it. So more of like a, a dark comedy in the vein of like Dr. Strangelove. Or Lolita, I guess you could also call like a sex comedy in a perverse way. Um, and that movie was to star either Steve Martin or Woody Allen. Oh, wow. <laughs> so th- like it, it was going to be a broad comedy initially. And then he made it up. He made up. He he ended up making the most just like opposite <laughs> perverse and empty and disgusting movie. You know, possible, you know, in another universe, there is a Woody Allen starred film. <laughs> Of this, like, yeah, no, there's like ten of them already. Yeah. It's just they're played for laughs, yeah, you know. Exactly. <laughs> Those movies exist. You can, you can <laughs> see Hannah and her sisters, you know. I sometimes wonder, like, in movies like this, if Kubrick found it very funny occasionally, because I sometimes mm. like hear interviews with directors and they they're talking about a scene and they're like, "That scene's just so funny," and I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah, <laughs> like these types of directors have a very strange sense of humor, so. But Kubrick is funny, though. Can be. I don't think he's as funny as you give him credit for. <laughs> I'd certainly think he's funny in Doctor Strange and uh, a little bit in um, um, uh, Clockwork Orange. That's like the perfect balance of being like perversely funny. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Doctor Strange lives the greatest comedy of all time. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's a pretty funny guy. I think you have to give him credit for being pretty funny if you make one of the funniest movies ever. Yeah. Different kind of funny though. I don't know. Like it's, I wouldn't call it the greatest yeah. greatest satire of all time. Funniest movie of all time. I wouldn't go that far. That's a little and Full Metal Jacket. I mean, come on, that's a funny movie. The first twenty minutes of the movie are hilarious. Some of it, yeah. With Arlie, Ermi. hilarious. Arlie Ermi especially is just so good. 
<laughs> yeah, there is. You that. look like a modern art masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> I like that. I don't know. They stack shit that high. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I like that. When movie. he's singing "Happy Birthday to Jesus." Oh for yeah. Me, for me, for me, I would I would consider Full Metal uh, Jacket to be a more a uh, movie that complicates my relationship with Kubrick more. I mean, I don't. I I, I love the first half of Full Metal. Yeah, Jacket. That's what everyone says. The second half blows. Yeah. No, not true. I, I don't it think blows. it blows. I don't think it, it blows. fucking blows. No. No. Oh my no. god. Not true. It's you guys are way off on this. No, no, no. It doesn't. It it doesn't blow. I, no, no, no. I, the second half is not that bad. I but slaps. It, it I slaps. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go so far as to say it slaps. But it's awesome. But it's, second half rules. You all are so wrong. Yeah, uh, they are lying to you. I don't Listen, like that the anyone movie that has never seen Full Metal Jacket. Thing. You have been lied to. I, I like Full Metal Jacket. Awesome. I never it said I dislike. It sets itself up as one thing, and then it just like I. I don't like it for that. I don't like how it just takes a turn, and it's just so fucking disturbing. Uh, well, <sighs> again, the f- anyways, <laughs> the mo- it's a good movie. Full Metal Jacket's awesome. Second half is so underrated. It's become so underrated at this point because that's the one thing anybody ever says about it. Oh yeah, the first half's really good. I wish it just ended there. No, fuck off. It's only fifty minutes. That's not a full movie. You got to make more movie, and they make more movie, and it has interesting things to say. Not that many. So, yeah, interesting the the, things the to Mickey say. Mouse Clubhouse <laughs> theme at the end of it. Yeah, I mean it's great. It's about like how like journalists had to sell the war back home. It's about, you know, like journalism and, and in some ways like fake news. Yeah. And how like, you know, how how really all journalism is 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 it's selling a product. It's it, advertising. But it's just oh, such don't a mind me. It's oh, just don't such mind a me. it's such a notable <laughs> step down. Like it's like, yeah, it's not like it's it's doing nothing, but like compared to what was going on in that first half, it's just it it it's very difficult to find your footing, I suppose, in that second half. I think that's my my point because it's like nowhere near as interesting as what he's getting at and in the training sequences. When he sees the woman dying at the end, like fucking rules. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I movie. love the Mickey Mouse part though. That's great. I, yeah. The movie could still end that way somehow in the first half, like during when they're like <laughs> flying over or something. I don't know, but like, yeah, I love the Mickey Mouse part. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie. It's great. Yeah. Very good. One of my faves. Uh okay, where were we in the plot? Oh, not very far. Yeah, <laughs> this is a very long show again. Yeah, yeah let, me, let me let me let me try to let me let's try to get through a good chunk of the plot here. Because so after this party, because that's where we were. After this party, that is we're when, still at the part that Adam doesn't like. Yeah, that's what that's when him and his wife obviously like talk about you know what they each were doing, and that's where she kind of reveals to her husband that she has had past desires for other men and she's had to come to grips with that and she gets mad at him like why haven't you felt jealous and he's having a hard time relating and understanding with what she's going through um but when she mentions to him that she there was a specific incident with a specific person where she said if he just asked me i would have dropped i would have given up our entire life together Mm -hmm. and gone with him and that disturbs him profoundly and that is the moment that sets off this catalyst of events for him where he is now, uh, and I, I can't say I think that this is the appropriate response to any of this, <laughs> but he essentially begins to chase like perverse sex with others at every chance, every opportunity that comes because he feels justified. It's like right, well, even though she all she was really doing was like expressing like her desires and emotion right oh it's the mm-hmm. completely completely wrong response right <laughs> in every way 
but it's interesting. Yeah. But the door has opened. Yeah. Yeah. He's opened the door and he's like, let's find out what's on the other side. Mm -hmm. And apparently what's on the other side is a world where everyone wants to have sex with him. Like every interaction he has. Well, I don't even know if that's even totally, but. Well, it's sexually fueled. Like all of a sudden, like prostitutes are approaching him on the street. Mm -hmm. And like there's a there's a guy that works at a costume shop that like offers up his daughter to him. Like it's just it is all of a sudden we are we're submerged into this world. And I think that part of it is the Christmas lights, too. Right. It's just like Mm -hmm. nothing but just total hedonism everywhere. And also the amount of time that actually passes from beginning to end of this movie is not that significant for how it feels yeah no, two days no but it feels it's, so much longer it's like this right. like really earned slog like and yeah i do mean that in a great way it just feels like this guy's being dragged through the mud and ugh, mm-hmm. it's so icky i love it though yeah so one of the things the obviously the big most ridiculous outlandish thing is he tracks down one of his friends um mm-hmm. who is a pianist at the party that he was invited to and his friend tells him about how he has another gig where he's paid to play piano there blindfolded and that's like all he's allowed to know there's a password for entry and he said one time though the blindfold wasn't on too good Mm -hmm. and he starts describing what he saw and he's saying debauchery tons of like naked women and this is the point where tom cruise is like i'm going (laughs) (laughs) what's the password literally literally and he invites himself essentially and um arrives in a taxi and mm. goes inside and uh, quickly being in there. Um, well, we we witness what seems to be like essentially like a cult orgy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they at the party begin to realize that he does not belong. Yeah, it's like this dude rolled up in a cab. Right. And they reveal <laughs> it's revealed like an hour later into the movie how he was figured out. Yeah, yeah he rolled up in a cab. He had yeah. like the note. Uh, in his pocket <laughs> at his jacket when he handed the guy his jacket right. um, and then they also tested him like oh you gave us the first password what's the second password <laughs> and there was no second password but they were setting him up right yeah. so that's when they forced him to take his mask off mm-hmm. and reveal his true identity right. and in front of everybody pull his mask off and they tell him to strip naked and uh, but while he's at the party one woman in a mask does come up to him and she keeps saying like you're in danger you should get out of here and he doesn't listen doesn't heed her warning and when eventually in front of everybody, they're essentially threatening him. She steps up and says, I will take punishment for him. I which, will redeem him, which apparently is somewhere in the bylaws of this, um, you know, uh, elitist sex Illuminati cult orgy, meeting, yeah. Illuminati meeting somewhere in those bylaws that's allowed. So um, they take her away and let him go. No questions asked. No questions mm. asked. Really? I mean, <laughs> go about um, your day. <laughs> well, that wasn't but so bad <laughs> he uh is tr- at this point trying to like track down like what the fuck was that he's still curious and he can't let it go right i so just he- love the what the hell was that <laughs> but he really he just doesn't let, let it go he goes back to the house um and a guy just walks out and hands him an envelope that says like hey stop go home <laughs> like we let you go Last go home morning yeah they don't really right. do anything else uh, he tries to track down his friend, the pianist. Turns mm. out the guy was uh, taken away by two big burly men and uh, had bruises all over him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then he reads a newspaper article about a woman who OD'd. And 
while he was at the first party we mentioned earlier, Ziegler called him up, and there was a, a woman there who was basically unconscious because she took a speedball, yeah, mixed heroin and cocaine mixed together, mm. and so Tom Cruise's character like you know brought her kind of helped her back and was like, all right, here's what you should do, like you know keep an eye on her for an hour, send her home, all that, whatever. It's that same woman. She's now OD'd. And at this point, he kind of realizes that was the woman at the party mm-hmm. who was warning me. Um, and yeah, then he gets uh, called by Ziegler, where Ziegler reveals to you, him. Like, oh, you missed the scene where he went to the hospital. What, the autopsy? Yeah. Or he the, went to the hospital, yeah. saw the dead body, and yeah. nearly like kissed the cadaver. Right, yeah, yeah. That's a fucked up moment. Oh, I love it, though. Yeah. This yeah. movie rules. So, yeah. Yeah, so he uh, he confirmed. Also, I would say it's important that he kind of confirms she's dead. I it seemed like it could have been important. Maybe it actually wasn't, but I could have seen Ziegler denying it, and I thought actually that would have been a little bit more powerful if he told him, "Oh, she's fine." That was a uh, we just printed that in the newspaper. You know what well, I mean? Well, they yeah, I mean they kind of, well okay. There's so, a lot of ambiguity with what he's saying. You're not a lot really, of yes. ambiguity. Yes, yeah, right. And that's what I loved about this. I would have. I, I kind of would have liked it. So good in it. I, I kind of would have liked it if he got caught red-handed. Yeah. Finally, you know. But well, that's the moment that you're looking for, and that's the moment that Cruz wants too. That's right. like yeah. his moment of catharsis is like he wants to believe this conspiracy. He wants to believe, you know, uh, what I think we we all want to believe. We all have the same desire as him. But again, this is another moment where Cruz is going to go home unsatisfied. Mm-hmm. Well, he's right? punished I mean, for that. That's the whole point of that moment. Like right. you're not getting what you right. want this time. Yeah, yeah. right. Which so, he, he hasn't gotten what he wanted. At really? Any no. Point yeah. In this movie. <laughs> not at That's all. True. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. And um. So yeah, Ziegler essentially says like, "Look, I was at that party. We're going to cut the bullshit. You shouldn't have been there. You made me look stupid." Um, in front of my friends because yeah, Ziegler was th- because yeah. he goes I was the one who recommended your friend the pianist yeah. and so now I look stupid because you shouldn't have been there mm. and uh, he goes your friend your friend's fine they uh, they they just put him on a flight to a different city and they got rid of him but he's fine he's not dead he's in Seattle yeah, yeah. they sent him to Belize and, uh, sent him right. to Belize Tom Cruise goes who was that woman who talked to me and he goes oh, she was some hooker and he goes he shows him the article of how she OD'd. And he goes, was that her? And he goes, yeah, that was her. And he goes, look, she was going to die anyways. You know, we didn't kill her. We just sent her home. She was fine when we sent her home. Nothing happened to her. No, there's a great moment where he says the police were satisfied. Right. Yes. He I think say, that's, the, that's the great quote. He does say door was locked from the inside. She OD'd. The police yes. were happy. The police were happy. Right. Which is like... Yeah, you don't know exactly what he's saying there. Because at first it's like, okay, you're telling me the truth. But, oh, this is just the truth that the police were happy with. Right. So yeah. it can go either way. Yeah, that's, and it's, that's it is a very vague. You're 100% yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is very vague. Yeah. Um, and it also leaves up for question about his friend because he doesn't really have solid contact with that friend. No. So he has no way of confirming whether that guy's still alive either. Right. right. So, yeah. But um, ultimately he is... Basically, you know, sent home with his tail between his legs, right? Yeah. Um, and when he gets home, he finds a detail we glossed over earlier, which I'll mention now. The mask that he rented from the costume shop to go to this party, mm-hmm. he lost it upon return, mm-hmm. returning. And when he gets home, he finds his wife asleep and the mask on his pillow. Yep. Like a warning. And, uh, yeah. Love that. Moment. Now, this was a mask from this elite group 
No, this is what he got at or the from his. shop. No, 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 no. I understand that. Who put it there? Probably, That's what I'm trying to figure out. Probably those guys. That was always was my it, feeling. No, oh, or was oh, it the oh. wife? Did she find it? Could've I been. think she found it. Yeah. That's what I kind of thought. It's, she caught him. Is that the case? It's too perfectly well, because, placed. I don't know. Because, it, it looks exactly. it looks like it's, they're it's, all, but it almost looks like the the guys were like like do anything else and we're gonna like come after your wife or something like that. Here's I, I get that I get that point of view from it for sure, but I also get the mask is perfectly placed on mm. the pillow where he should be, and he starts breaking down and crying, and she does not wake up. She opens her eyes, and to me that's very different. Okay. She was laying there, not fully asleep. Okay. She just opens her eyes, and he says, I'll tell you everything. I'll tell you everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of got the impression that she found it. All right. Yeah, I, I think that's that that's sort of how I read it. But I, I think you're right, Nick. Like, I could see both sides, though. I could. You can see both sides, but it's also it's more for the dramatic moment, and I'm not sure like the logic of it sure. is, is, yeah. is that relevant it's just like however the mask got there yeah. it's important that the mask was there and that he saw it laying in his yeah, bed exactly, right yeah. uh for all we know the mask wasn't there and it was just in his head yeah that's a good point too i mean because i don't know if very, it really makes a difference it's a very surreal the, image with it just next to the wife like that too yeah you know? I, I don't know if that scene actually is any different if the mask is suddenly not there at one point mm. sure yeah i agree with that yeah so yeah he he comes clean and he starts just well actually we don't see this we just hear off that, screen mm. He's going to come clean. And then off screen, we get that. Moment. We see her face in the morning. We see and her face this is in the morning. tired, drinking coffee, not put together mm. and like bloodshot eyes, just miserable, probably mm. was spent some time crying. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. we really get that look of like it was a rough night. Yeah. But he finally does the whole monologue that she did. Like, right. he, like she was already totally honest and vulnerable with him and at multiple occasions in the movie when he, when, uh, for example, too, when, uh, she recounts the dream. I love that scene when she recounts the dream that she had the night before, why she was mm. laughing maniacally in her sleep, right? Um, that was so yeah, mean, he, wasn't it? It was. It felt mean-spirited. Well. She's crying and holding him as she says it, mm. which kind of, like, it, it breaks that, it brings that back a little bit. It doesn't feel totally, but, like, when you, when she describes her dream, it just feels so mean yeah, in some ways, mm-hmm. she says, yeah. "I wanted to laugh at you as I was making love yeah, with like hundreds true. of other men." That's and I didn't, and, so, didn't it, and I yeah. laughed in your face. Like it's just like it's a blending of it's. It does feel mean, but it's also just. But like, at the same time, she's holding him and crying, yeah. and it's weird, so it's just yeah. very uncomfortable. It's, didn't <laughs> it kind of feel like she was thinking through in her head what she wanted to reveal about that dream? Oh, you know, at first, like, when, she, when, sure. when he asked right. the questions, like, what was it about? And then she's just like, well, well. right. Yeah. So she's trying to figure out how much to reveal to him. And then by the end of it, she just lets loose. Mm-hmm. But like for a while, I think she's kind of apprehensive to give all the details. Um, my, my issue. I don't know if this is an issue. Maybe this was intentional. Is that like, yeah, like Tom Cruise says, I'll tell you everything, but we don't hear it. Right. We don't hear any of it. You know, yeah. it's just implied. And right. that's another reason why, again, I don't think the ending is bad, by the way, Nico. And mm-hmm. part of it is because, like, maybe she wasn't totally satisfied with where he was by the end of it for that reason. That's the thing. That's an interesting reading. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, take it for what you will. Yeah, right. Yeah. You, for all we know, he just, you know, made up some sort of story about the, you know, 
a, a masquerade ball that he attended. That's why he got the mask. But because I'll know, be thinking about like death threats and hookers. Well, that's my because I'll be frank. He should have been like, even in my opinion, like explaining it to her even more just like nothing like i can't like i am just beat to shit for telling you the fact that i went to some of this stuff and, and almost did this and that mm. you know instead he's just kind of like you know he's just got his head knocked down you know you are right though like about the idea of this whole movie in a lot of ways feels unsatisfying mm. but it's also about that feeling and so yeah, it makes yeah. me kind of wonder if the way people feel about this movie is if this movie was setting itself up for failure in a way do you know what i mean because like the way you're supposed to feel about it inherently is going to make people be like i didn't like that movie well any movie like this where the the ending is just difficult or what it's getting at is difficult is going to lead to that i mean it's i think the theme itself is difficult it's uncomfortable frankly i mean it's it's not something people want to talk about and there's no easy answers and that's the other thing that makes it so so hard i mean like I, i always i always in my own personal life i always look at seven which is a film that I've shown to a lot of people. And it is like, they will always say like, great movie, but what the hell's with that ending? And I'm like, what's the matter with you? You know, I hate it when people hate that ending, you know, who hates the ending? A lot. Of seven. It pisses me off. I've had a few people be like, what the fuck was going on with that ending? It was all waste. And it's like, what? No, no, no. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> that movie is about the ending. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's like it's, it's literally the whole movie is you, what did just you about miss? that one thing. <laughs> did you miss something? Yeah. But like when movies get difficult like this, like there there there's bound to be a lot of people that kind of brush up against it in an aggressive way. And this movie especially because it's it's not nearly as explicit about all the things it's getting at or whether or not it's supposed to be more optimistic or pessimistic. So I, Yeah, I I contend that it's still a happy ending though. Like I do contend that it it's about these two people toughing it out. I think the, the, I think the yeah, word that the, she uses is survive. We survived and we're lucky, we're fortunate to have survived this long. And right. we're gonna keep at it, you know? This could so easily be a movie about just the degradation of a marriage, about the disintegration and, and at the end of it, like one of them ends up dead. We've seen movies mm-hmm. like that yeah. time and time yeah. and time and time again. This is I think very explicitly not about that. It's intentionally not about that. I get the impression that the ending is like, all right, we've both suffered through the hard part. Now it's time to get to work. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, that's one. That's how I start by fucking. It it doesn't imply that like it's going to be a happy ending, but it implies that it could be. Yeah, because that that's always been my point. I don't think it's either happy or or sad entirely. I think you can easily look at it as both. And I, I don't I don't think there's 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 uh there's no merit to either is the thing. Because again, it is it's nasty. I think what she says is that like like if I'm in his position, I'm like, what are you talking about? Because it seems like she's not taking him seriously. Like that would mm-hmm. not I wouldn't I would you not be though, happy. I, I, I wouldn't be happy if like we, we got to this point and then all it ends with is like, okay, great. Yeah, let's go. I think fuck, she treats you know? him though how he deserves to be treated at that time. Sure. Yeah. But even like you know? the, the idea of survival, it's like we get through just to survive. Well, that's underwhelming, you know. Well, that's that's life, Adam. That's but my, that's what it is. That's my point, though. It's like, oh, really? We're just surviving? Well, fuck this. Yeah, <laughs> like well, that. That doesn't sound so happy to me. <laughs> that's what it is. Being alive—that's good. <laughs> J- but better me, than being dead. But it's ju- better than the alternative. Yeah, that's that. That's a that's an upsetting kind of cynical worldview on life, though. It's like if it's just about survival. Kinda, eh, kinda. It is. Though. Yes and no. Kubrick movies are all. They always have an ounce of cynicism to it. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 
Absolutely. What struck me on this rewatch, though, is kind of like how morally clear minded it was. I was going to say, like, I, 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 I hate this idea that being like utterly honest is being equivocated with like cynicism. Yes. That, I, there is a oh, yeah. actual Good. that's a great very point. freeing um, and very inspiring like kind of thing to just letting go and being like completely honest and, and real with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so many people treat it like, oh, you're taking off the mask and it's like you're being cynical. It's like, no, no, no. I'm just like I'm accept- You can, if you can accept ugly things, mm. that's actually very like freeing, yeah. not cynical. I agree. So I, I don't know. I, it's very easy to look at the movie that way. I, I don't take it that way personally. I don't think it's entirely happy ending though i've I'm not sold on that no no, no that's fine but i don't think it's cynical either yeah i absolutely don't think it's it could be, I, you I, could say it's realistic yeah nick i think that's a that's actually a great point you just made good on you pal <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> you could you can certainly go either way with it though i don't know yeah mm-hmm. I, I was. I, I have a feeling your marriage might last longer than Tom Cruise's and Nicole Kidman's. I would I hope so. I would hope so yeah. too. <laughs> How long do they last? Not long. Not long. <laughs> About four hundred days, I think. <laughs> the filming of this movie. Oh, that's terrible, dude. There's crazy shit behind the scenes. Like, just read some of the behind the scenes stuff of like Tom Cruise got a stomach ulcer on the set of this and just like didn't tell Stanley Kubrick because he was like stressed. Oh, oh my god. Oh, man. Uh, Cruz and Kidman spent so long living in the UK due to the prolonged shoot that their two children acquired English accents. Wow. <laughs> so I, I do want to say this, and I kind of hate saying this because yeah. I feel like I'm one of those people who's like, oh, you don't know what busy's like until you have kids, you know? Right. right. But I, I do feel like this movie takes on a different light to a, someone who's married. Mm. I yeah, really do. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why not? Yeah. Um, and I, I do think that maybe if you're somebody listening here who has seen this movie, did not like it, and you were not married at the time, and now you are, mm. it might be only one person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're if you're that person, watch this movie again. Yeah. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. uh, I actually really think that I, I think that if I had watched this movie like three years ago, I would have hated it. Right. And I really it, I think this movie was really impactful. Yeah. So, yeah. I, it's a good I, movie. It's a good movie. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah. I agree with all of that. Yeah. Uh, Even cool. if you just watched it when you were younger and now you're older, I think you still get the same kind of thing. But, mm. you know, so. Cool. Weird what, what, choice, what but ha- <laughs> happy holidays. Merry Christmas, yeah. folks. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking Christmas morning. Yeah, throw this one on. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, it was, uh, throw this on with the family. Yeah, yeah. that's right. At, right after It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> God, I've never seen so many naked people I in know. a movie in my life. It's crazy. Like, I swear to God, I mean, they're on just a film set with hundreds of nude people. Yeah. It's crazy. Is this the most nudity I've ever seen in a movie? I think it has to be. Mm, this is a good question. Mm. I think you also have to count the things oh, that wait. didn't make it into the final cut. Yeah. But we're still, like, in the background. Okay. I'm I think just, you have to count those. I'm just realizing, yeah, there's a there's one in particular that has way more nudity. <laughs> What's what that? Would that be? Solo. Mm. Uh, okay, there you go. Yeah, now this is hmm, a Serbian film. That's got a well, lot of nudity. I don't even think that has even, yeah. no. That's because that's a smaller cast, dude. Yeah, not as much as this. Yeah, there's just um, not as many people. Um, a lot of naked people. Yeah, it's got to be a lot of naked people in the background. 
I'm struggling to think of one. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess, unfortunately, Schindler's List has a scene. Oh, stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not not that kind of nudity. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, like... I'm trying to remember, like, how much... I never saw Caligula. Have you seen Caligula? (laughs) How much nudity is in Boogie Nights? Not nearly this much, No, no, no. No, no, no. Really not, right? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I think it's... I think this has got to be it. Basic Instinct has more explicit sex in it, but I don't think it's as much nudity. In in terms of, like, clock... Oh, how about shame? How about shame? Yeah, sh- shame has a lot. Shame has a lot. Shame has a ton of nudity. It's nowhere near as much as Solo. I can promise you that. But <laughs> now, yeah, that's uh, my. Unfortunately, that is my answer. Yeah. I mean, but this is also incredibly mainstream. I don't know how, yeah, how mainstream well, Solo get, is, right? Yeah, if you want to get something that's a little more, in, you know, familiar for people, that's that's a that's a hard question to answer, though. I don't know. I don't know. So I I don't know. It was like jarring that like every like, showgirls minute. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, showgirls maybe. Bunch, yeah. That's a good one. God, yeah. every minute though, there's somebody's naked on the screen. Felt that way, yeah. and it's a long movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a long movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, uh, that's that. That's good. Merry Christmas, happy. Merry Christmas. Oh yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, I hope I hope Santa brings you wonderful gifts this year. Play a game real quick. Yes. Sure. <laughs> what if we said no? <laughs> yeah. Kidman, right? Yeah, sure. we do. This whole podcast has been making me so anxious because I'm recording virtually, by the way, and I don't have the lights on in my room, but the sun has been going down, so it's just getting yes. darker and yeah, fucking you- darker in here. And- <laughs> Adam has just faded away. Yeah, right? you can't, there's moment. no way. <laughs> It's so, you're so black right now. It looks like we're watching uh, the Blair Witch. This is really like I'm looking at myself like this is horrifying. I gotta go sh- turn the lights on in here. This yeah, I have a whole extra hour of sunlight on you guys right now. <laughs> you bastard! Eh, you're so lucky. Yeah. It's 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 still pretty nice out. Eh, fucker. All right. Uh, I so we have we done a Tom Cruise movie before? I don't oh yes we did. Know. I'll tell you yet. Yeah, yeah, we did. The Mummy. Oh God, that's right. Shit, I don't know if I was there. That might have been without me. Hmm. We did the mummy. So, were we doing? But were we doing? How many Drew Carries at that point? I don't remember. Maybe not. Let's do Kidman just to be safe. Okay. Okay. Nicole Kidman, who seems to be like the queen of like true crime miniseries. I noticed that. Yeah, she has like ten shows a year. (laughs) That must be good for her. Yeah, she's doing great. It's probably good money and probably not that much work. They plastered I mean, her face on every preview for AMC. So Yeah, it's probably a lot of filming, but it's probably not a lot of, like, you know, effort. Yeah, yeah why the hell do I need to see her every time I see a movie now? I do not like it at all. I hate I that really 30-second hate it. thing. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, <laughs> heartbreak feels good in a place like uh. this. <laughs> God, it's the worst. Uh, she's the star of the upcoming Being the Ricardos. Oh, that's such a terrible choice. Oh, my God. It's going to be so bad. It's such an awful choice. Why would you do that? It's going to be so bad. No. Uh, but there was a point in time where Nicole Kidman was a, a young, exciting actress. 
But now she just she's doing nine perfect strangers and shit. What's the last thing I liked her in? I guess she was good in Lion, but Lion's like whatever. She's okay in that. Uh, uh, the others, I like her in the others. The the Undoing, uh, the the miniseries is very good actually. Okay. I enjoyed it quite a bit, and she's very good. She has earned her success, though. I think it's fair to say she's earned her success. Yeah, I'm certainly. I'm not a huge Nicole Kidman fan. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Margot at the wedding, Adam. She's really good at Margot at the wedding. All right. I'll have to check that one out. Uh, it's a no Bombach film. Ah. Often considered his worst. Really? Is yeah. it his worst? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Do you dislike Batman Forever? She's great in Batman Forever. Who is she in Batman Forever? I don't remember. I'm just reading IMDb credits. Yeah, who is she in that one? I don't even remember. She is. She Gail or whatever the reporter's name is. Uh, Doctor Chase something. What? Doctor Chase Mer- Meridian. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Which yeah, I I like her. The problem, I guess, just is her face doesn't move that much anymore. <laughs> I think that's the problem with Nicole Kidman. The plastic surgeries really killed it. Well, is it pla- is it Botox? I don't know like what's happening. Like she's not a particularly expressive person anymore. No, especially in those fucking previews. I can't, every time I look at her, it's just this this stiff smile every time. I I can't tell that she's watching a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I miss the guy at the beginning of AMC that used to spill popcorn all over himself. Oh, that Remember guy. That, was guy? The, that was the best. Yes. Oh, yes. with the because like because the, the uh, IMAX was so good or whatever. Yeah, there would be like a jump scare. And he would spill the popcorn. All <laughs> I over love it. Yeah. That, no, that he's still. <laughs> let, in. Me tell you, let me tell you something. All right, I've nobody has ever paid fourteen dollars for popcorn and then spilled a single piece. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, Those no are all getting shot. Eaten. I love that cliche though. No shot. He's still in the preview, by the way, that you're referring to, but he just doesn't spill his popcorn. You see him like eating at it. Yeah. Oh, they used the second cut? Yeah. Second take there? Oh, man. When he was less scared. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's brave now. He's seen a few horror movies It was his second viewing of the movie. Right, yeah. He knew knew what to expect. (laughs) I like the lore. It wasn't an earnest moment of reaction anymore. (laughs) I want to figure out the AMC lore. (laughs) What's the backstory on on the popcorn spiller? (laughs) His name's Peter Popcorn. Uh, that's his name. <laughs> the AMC lore. Oh, that's good. I'm going to say Nicole Kidman has made a fortune off of these miniseries. That's my guess. Okay. She produces like all of them, and I think they're a cash cow. I'm going to say she's worth $100 million, Nicole Kidman. 100 mil? Jeez, I'm putting her at 100 mil. I know okay. it's a little high, but I believe in Nicole Kidman. I... And she's married to Keith Urban, too. That's I think they're worth yeah. a lot. Good money. Yeah. I'm going to put her at a solid... 55 million. Damn it. I was going 60. Ooh. You I'll, could sti- I'll stick with my 60. I'll stick right. with my 60. Hmm. Let me guess this one tight. more time. Ooh. Uh, 60, 100, and what was yours, Nick? 55. Yeah. Got it. According to Forbes.com, Nicole Kimmon was the fourth highest paid actress in the world oh, in no. 2019. Whoa. She made 34 million. In 2019 alone. Oh my god. Oh god. Oh god. Oh my god. What? Is she gonna be is this gonna be how many Nicole Kidmans next week? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Her net worth according to celebritynetworth.com 
$250 million dollars what to the Shit. <laughs> wow. Fool me. Yeah, good for you, Nicole. Damn. Incredible. I never would have guessed that. Incredible. There's no way I would have guessed that. I'm telling you, like... No, true crime is the hottest thing, True though. crime made for soccer moms... You made for white women, and you're the, you're, you. you're the one who like got mad at me for suggesting that once. I was like, what? I remember saying what like say? like moms and, and and dads like at night before bed love their fucking true crime shit. Absolutely, they absolutely do. And you got 100%. mad at me once for suggesting that like like there's a similar appeal to something like the girl with the dragon tattoo. Because I know a lot of people that like <laughs> the, the movie for those reasons, and you're like, "That's ridiculous, Adam." I'm like, "Yeah, you and you, and that is absolutely ridiculous." It's not <laughs> ridiculous. Girl with the dragon tattoo is has zero zero in common with the Undoing or Big Little Lies or some shit like that. Oh my has god! To, oh my god! You're so on, wrong. Adam. You're so well, completely Adam, wrong. Well, Adam, for one thing, it's not true. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is true. How I can the girl with the dragon tattoo? People that love that movie for that reason. It's as, it's as true as it comes. What are you talking it is, about? It is blatantly false. Man, you so misrepresented what I said. I stand behind the argument that girl with the dragon tattoo is not made for my mother. They I like that by, shit, though. It is made for I don't know lunatics why. like you. You know what? We can we can settle this. We could. Yeah. Nico, call your mom, what? put on uh-huh. the girl with the dragon tattoo, <laughs> and let's get her take. I will make my mother watch Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. She is a big fan of all of the Nicole Kidman miniseries. She okay. she flew through Nine Perfect Strangers in like a weekend. She read the book. She loves Big Little Lies. She loves all these shows. Yeah, see if she likes the girl with the dragon tattoo. I'll let her be the guinea pig. These are the same kind of people that were reading <laughs> the girl with the dragon tattoo when it first came out, though. That's part. That's the other reason why they like that it. That movie so much. is fucking bananas. Though. Yes, like that movie is like. <laughs> so are a lot of those true crime shows, man. Blood soaked, <laughs> like it, it is empty hearted. I, I don't I mean, think that is that is. A movie I don't think the true crime shows you, are any different, though, man. I think true crime, especially. I mean, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is not even close. To as disturbing no, there's, there's as a lot of the true crime fun, shit. Though. There's there, there's there's a sort of like there's a there's a, a sort of a, a cul-de-sac paranoia mm. that permeates through those shows. You yeah. know what I mean? There's like a Desperate that, Housewives yeah. soapiness. Yeah. Of like there's some there's something very close to home about all of this. And there's also kind of a trashiness too that like old white women like. Uh, you don't think that's that president? Not the case with David Fincher's <laughs> blood-soaked rape allegory, "Girl with the Dragon Tattoo." Guys, I think that you're, is absolutely not the case with that movie. I think you're completely that is a movie wrong. De- I just don't think for that's true. Depraved nineteen-year-olds. <laughs> no, that's what that movie is about. Just not in my experience. I'm sorry, nineteen-year-olds like you. Nico. I'm sorry, but I think you're completely wrong about that one. I like that movie. No, I, think I like that it too. Very but I'm good. Just, I really like that movie. No, I'm you just saying in my experience, silly. it's very strange that that. That movie has that up level of appeal for people like that. <laughs> well, folks, we are all out of time this week. I'm sorry. I think it's absolutely Merry Christmas. <laughs> Until next time. Merry Christmas. You've been so very, very naughty. No. no. no.